1: It is designed to help you build your own self improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain.
2: And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S O B E R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast.
1: Vic, what are you doing on the 27th of April?
2: I'm busy, Hamish.
1: Oh, what are you doing?
2: I'm going to be part of this sober, awkward live show. Of
1: course you are. Can I come?
2: No. Oh. No, actually, you are invited. You are part of the show. we probably better get rehearsing, actually.
1: That's a good point. It's going to be an absolute shit fight. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's actually sold out. What? Yeah, so exciting. But the good news is that you can now go on to our cuppa community and buy tickets to the live stream. They're just ten bucks.
1: See you there. So, Vic, if we were in power, hmm. God forbid, yeah, running a country or running the world, that's the way I like to look at it, what laws would you change or impose?
2: Gosh, that's a good question, Hamish. Yeah. There's probably many things free childcare, mm-hmm. free sanitary products for the ladies.
1: We know a place. We know a place. Yeah. We do know a work space that yes. does offer
2: that yes. little perk. Yeah. Everyone gets paid an extra month at Christmas. I know they do that in Norway.
1: Really? Apparently, you get paid
2: a 13th You month. get paid the 13th month. It's, I think it's normal. It's one of those Scandinavian countries where we get paid. All of the
1: Scandinavian countries just do all the good stuff. They're really they? forward thinking yeah. over
2: there, aren't they? Bum hoses. That would be another thing. Explain. Or oh, in Thailand, you don't use toilet roll and you clean your bum with a hose. Oh. I love a good bum hose, Hamish. So we're not talking about like the Japanese loose seat thing? No, it's just a hose that's attached to the wall and you spray it on your bottom.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, so bum yeah. hoses globally.
2: Yeah, bum hoses.
1: Save the planet from lurol.
2: Yep, that is the mm. main thing I would change if yeah. I was in. If I was the world leader. Mm-hmm. Um, no animals kept in captivity, of course. Sure. Except emus.
1: Mm. Oh, and mosquitoes. I wanted to and ask that. And yeah, mosquitoes, yeah. yeah.
2: Emus are out to get everybody. I reckon. Are they? Yeah. Killer. You hate emus. They just make me shit myself. <laughs> okay. I'm scared of them. They've got funny eyes. They look pretty. But they're not. But the eyes, yeah, the, the eyes. eyes deceive them. The eyes—they've got long eyelashes. which are oh, well, doesn't she look nice? And then, oh, she. <laughs> have you been attacked by an emu, a female emu? No, not yet. Okay. Yeah, so but I expect it will happen. Hatred. No, yeah, I just—they've just got a funny look about them. <laughs> Free government-supplied cleaners and chefs for anyone with more than three children.
1: Oh yes.
2: Yes, you remember that one. Yeah. Enforced afternoon nana naps for anyone over forty.
1: Mm, mm. Policed.
2: Yeah, police, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Preferably a hot policeman. (laughs) Yeah. Plus obligatory Maldives trip once a year with an ugly au pair.
1: Yeah. Why do they have to be ugly?
2: (laughs) Well, just in case your husband fancies them.
1: Okay, so what I'm seeing from this, (laughs) this is going to be great for the au pair industry. If you're not attractive, that's (laughs) going to boom. I'm a bit worried about the world population. If you get a perk like free cleaners and chefs, you have more than three kids. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to we're going to have a huge population. Everyone's going to have three kids. And I feel bad for the emus.
2: Yeah, don't feel bad for the emus. No.
1: What are yours? Okay, so first thing is, I think as a human race, we have got better and better and better as we have got older. Right, just yeah. over time, humans got good. What we've never cracked is how to beat queues at airports.
2: Okay, yeah, it's interesting. Every airport
1: has got a huge queue. There must be a better system of getting people through airports than what mm. we've got now.
2: Isn't queuing just part of life, Hamish?
1: Well, I actually quite like queues. Do you? Why? <laughs> See a queue, join a queue is a rule of mine on holiday <laughs> because they probably, they know something that I don't.
2: Oh, okay. So it's more of a, you're just nosy. You want to know no, what's no, at the end just, of the line. I, I don't have
1: to do, I want to do all the research at the restaurants. If there's a huge queue, it's probably good. Let's just join it.
2: Okay. It might be a sort of a, an, not an anagram, what's the word? For your life, like a, like a, like a, simple... a metaphor for your life okay. that you just join you're just joining the queue you of it life a sheep you yeah. it could be a yeah. dull
1: yeah uh, i'm not able to make my own decisions sheep
2: you're just in this massive long queue of life and oh, just waiting to find out what's depressing. at the end <laughs> okay my other one is what
1: i like to call my naked theory mm. so i believe we should all be naked more often my logic is this you are naked when you are making love mm-hmm. when you are Skinny dipping Mm -hmm. or when you are bathing. Yeah. You are happy generally doing all three of those things. So if we were naked more often, would we be happier? I agree. Also, we'd get rid of... You know, people comparing bodies. We all have weird bodies. We'd see it more. Yeah. We'd feel less self-conscious.
2: I could be your vice president on that one. I concur. I would sit next to you and go, I concur. Yes. yes. Here, <laughs> yeah. here, Knock the, yeah. the wooden I'd have thing. a funny wig on. Okay, thanks. Yeah. You're know, good
1: funny wig. I concur. Yes. Four days a week instead of five.
2: Oh, it's a bit similar to the Christmas bonus. Similar. Yeah. I wonder if mine works out better. 52 days,
1: 52 yeah. weeks. Don't, don't try not so work it. out. Okay, no, I'll do that. Yeah. Then yes, they do a thing in Rwanda. So I've spent a lot of time in Rwanda, and they've got this amazing rule called Umuganda. So hmm. Umuganda is basically when on the last Saturday of every month, it is compulsory volunteering for anyone that's able-bodied Oh, great. between if you're between age eighteen to sixty-five, you've got to help out in a local community project from eight am till eleven am, so amazing. It's three hours, and like they, they have something like a ninety-five percent attendance rate. Everyone wow. goes. And it is the best atmosphere. And so I've done it in like passing bricks along a line or you're digging a hole that will be a trench or building a new road
2: or whatever. It's done a few different things. And it's awesome. You could create a group on the Sunshine Coast that does that. That'd be a great thing to do, like a Facebook group say, right, I'm going to bring this to Australia. Everybody in the community has to come together once a month it's to help God. the Hamish community. Hamish is in Maganda. Yeah, Hamish is in Maganda. I'm yeah. in. Can I, in. Concur. Yeah,
1: I concur. Yeah. I actually work Saturday morning, so I, I wouldn't be able to do it, but I could host the Facebook group. I think
2: it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're talking about today, isn't it? Sort of. We're going to be talking about radical change. Actually, a radical change that has already been tried in America between 1920 and 1933. Oh, that was when the motion picture and the TV were invented, wasn't it, Vic? Oh, you're such a square, four (laughs) eyes. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today.
1: Right. What other 1920 inventions can I think of? Uh, The band-aid, the traffic light,
2: the vacuum cleaner, and interestingly, the electric blender all 1920s inventions none of them hamish we're not talking about inventions today you muppet we are talking about prohibition and whether or not it would work today it's a real shame i would love to do an episode on the vacuum cleaner yeah i suppose the audience would suck that up hame that's
1: good good. (gasps)
2: thank you very much do you concur hamish with my joke yes i concur Over the course of today's episode, we want to teach you a little bit about the history of prohibition and explore whether it might solve some of the world's problems with alcohol if it was imposed today. In short... Would the world be a better place if alcohol was made illegal like so many other drugs?
1: It's worth saying before we get into the thick of this episode that Vic and I have slightly differing, equally valid opinions on this subject that might stem from our different relationships with alcohol. Whereas I believe alcohol is not the problem. It's the way that we use it, abuse it and market it. For Vic she believes that the world would be a better place without alcohol. Is that right? I don't want to be putting words
2: into your mouth. Yeah, no, I yeah. do. I do think it would. If it had never, ever been around, I do think it would be a better place. Yes. Yeah. It would have never been here, never existed. We'd never had to think about it. I mean, of course, that's never going to happen. that's too late. But mm. I do think there would be a lot less problems in the world if alcohol was not on the scene.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, that I do agree with. So if it had never existed, the world would be a better place. I think now that it has existed... I think the way that we use it is the is the thing that's wrong, not not its existence.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can see where you're coming from in that one. But yeah, I, I don't like putting the blame onto the user. I think that's my issue yes. is I wouldn't like to say, well, it's your problem because you're a drinker. And I, I like to like have a cultural blame mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. a historical blame yeah. rather than the individual. Because I generally don't think it's the individual's fault. No. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I think yeah. it's the society. Well, so we do agree then. We, we, can we can concur, we
1: care. can concur. We both concur. <laughs> so what is the prohibition and what lessons can we take from it today? In
2: 1917, the 18th Amendment, which legalised the manufacture, transportation and sale of alcohol, was passed by US Congress. Just a few years later, in 1920, alcohol was effectively banned across America in a law that would stand for most parts until 1933.
1: The reason why this law was imposed was fairly straightforward. The intention was to reduce crime and corruption, solve social problems, reduce the tax burden created by prisons and poorhouses, and improve health and hygiene in America. But
2: did it work?
1: I did a lot of research. Vic?
2: Yeah, bring it out. There is
1: no straight answer to this. Okay. Let me remind the listener, you and I are not historians.
2: Also, can I just add in there, when we, we talked a second yes. ago about the intention was to reduce crime and corruption... Mm. We're talking about America in the 1920s there, but actually that could also be now. You know, 100%. the same problems exist that they did 150 years ago. Yes, yeah, totally. Uh, 100 years ago. <laughs> oh My god, maths. not the maths again. Yes, not the maths. Again. Don't, don't trust us <laughs> with any form of math.
1: So yes, what I was saying, we are not historians. Do not take our word as bible. But we I went through a lot of. Deep dark black holes when researching this topic and really that question in particular, did it work or not? There are varying answers with regards to that. So let me start by saying that at first, many believe that although it did lead to a decrease in alcohol consumption, it would eventually ramp up to higher levels than ever before. But new evidence suggests that this might not be in the case at all. There's a historian called David Courtright who wrote The Age of Addiction. He wrote in that, he said, no well-informed historian has believed that the idea that it Ramped up more than ever before for over fifty years. He writes that per capita consumption initially fell to thirty percent of pre-prohibition levels before gradually incre- increasing to sixty or seventy percent by nineteen thirty-three. So that would suggest a thirty percent fall in alcohol consumption overall.
2: Okay, but that's not really much considering it was banned a hundred percent and it was illegal. A thirty percent reduction yeah. isn't much, really, is it? Well, I tell you what's actually quite confusing
1: about this is the drinking of alcohol. Actually, wasn't banned. So yeah, it was the, the manufacture, transportation, and yeah. sale that was. Right, so that's interesting. Why they yeah, that the because list. then they'd
2: be probably having to arrest so many people that it would cause an extra problem with too many people being in the prison yeah, service. Yeah, right. One thing that prohibition certainly led to was an increase in organised crime. Of course, we've watched Peaky Blinders. The illegal sale of alcohol went through the roof. Much of this homemade alcohol, the bathtub gin and the bootleg hooch, was dangerous or even toxic to drink. So although the alcohol was being consumed less, the alcohol that was being consumed was increasingly stronger, Easier to smuggle a bottle of spirits than a case of beer, of course, but also it was more dangerous.
1: We've got first-hand experience of this. It's a lot easier to smuggle an Evian bottle of vodka into a pub or a club than a case of beer, isn't it?
2: Yes, so true. You done that? Yes, many We've times. Yeah, that. Fanta yeah. bottles we used to use and Fanta then... with with um, vodka and what's that horrible energy drink? Ah, uh, Powerade. No, the Lucas one Red Said. Bull vodka, oh, Red Bull yeah. in in like Fanta bottles into oh, the see, pub. Yeah. I would
1: just take the vodka oh, okay. And then yeah, I would I mixed just be it beforehand. Ordering, ordering Cokes all
2: night. Oh, yeah, clever. But then you still had to pay for drinks. I didn't want to pay for drinks, you see, at all.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that is <laughs> yeah.
2: good. I was smarter in some ways, Hamish. Did you ever make homebrew? Well, I was trying to think about this. The only homebrew I ever really made was a punch when my parents would go out, I'd steal from the drinks cabinet mm-hmm. and me and my friends would pour everything in there. With a, We used to actually add a can of fruit chunks. Do you remember those fruit chunks you used to have with sort oh. of with that milk evaporated milk used to steal some out of the cupboard and whack that in as well so we felt like we were having like a posh 1970s style punch with a spoon and we used to take the spoon and spoon it down our throats and we just used to have this big mixture of all these disgusting Mm. strong alcohols we were always sick um I did used to leave jelly babies in bottles of vodka when I lived in Brighton. It was kind of the things to yes. do with absolute vodka. I don't even remember. I used yeah, to stick yeah, all yeah. sorts of things in there, like mint chocolate, and, and let them brew, and then you would drink that afterwards. Talking about or eat the jelly with, babies.
1: With food, I can remember doing the one where you had a um, a watermelon. And you cut a hole in it oh, and yes. put the bottle of on upside down? Yes, you and pour like, it into 24 the Twenty four hours later it would be infused with the you have alcoholic watermelon.
2: I suppose it's the same with jelly shots. It is a sort of home brew because you're mixing alcohol with other things, basically to make it more palatable. Yeah. So, you can get more down your neck. That's basically what we were doing with like adding those sweet drinks as well. So,
1: we would have been the people making the booze. Yeah, we would have had it. We would have
2: been like our own sort of booze lab instead of a meth lab. The sale
1: of jelly babies would have gone up through the roof during Prohibition (laughs) if we'd been around then.
2: Yeah. Um, I think my own moonshine was really only happening in my stomach, Hamish, is when I thought about it.
0: Nice. I was
2: probably creating like a cauldron of toxic chemicals back then in the '90s, because there was kind of like a mixture of drugs, um, kebabs, beers, red Bull. It was kind of all brewing in my built-in oh, vat. God. Yeah, so that was sort of my own brewing system that no I had going on in my stomach. That no I buying it. No no. no. no, but it made me very drunk and it was very toxic. Well, yeah, that's why I gave up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a stomach brewing lab. <laughs> That's a horrible thought Yeah sorry it was horrible I came yeah. up with that But I couldn't think of any other way That I'd brewed alcohol myself That's alright well,
1: I'd, I'd be a friend of mine And I tried to make it at school And in, inevitably most of it exploded That really happened So Anyone, what did you use? It was in his house in Ireland Yeah I, I, we had bottle. I can't remember He did most of it So he actually I,
2: like tried to, tried to do Distill home brew. something yeah, like home right.
1: brew beer Wow Because you know when you're like that age that's really exciting and it comes out like 20 percent beer and it explodes because you get it all wrong actually i want to make kombucha now but i'm scared it'll explode yeah because i'm too scarred from that experience yeah i've also eaten a lot of off fruit that i reckon would be alcoholic
2: okay yes that's kind of a similar thing yeah that's what those monkeys did isn't it in that episode we did before eating the fermented fruit. fruit yeah that's it yeah Whilst the increase of organised crime is undisputable, the decrease in alcohol consumption had a positive effect in lowering alcohol-induced violence like domestic abuse. So it might be that it did actually lead to an overall decrease in crime. That
1: was my thought. So I think organised crime's gone up, but your everyday people who are drinking less, their violence has probably gone down. think of it as a balance try and think whether or not it's overall gone up or down yeah you could argue that by the fact that prohibition came to an end in most states in 1933 it was a failure but I think it was actually an unrealistic idea to impose a nationwide prohibition that would last the whole rest of time Mm. alcohol was already too ingrained in our culture
2: that's the issue isn't it it's the the fact that it was already so ingrained it's almost too late isn't it it's a shame though you know at least they tried (laughs) rather than improve the economy and relieve the tax burden created by prisons and poorhouses the opposite occurred the closing of the alcohol industry eliminated thousands of jobs the entertainment industries began to fail and restaurants struggled to keep afloat without the alcohol sales perhaps
1: most importantly and very much still relevant when considering a prohibition today one of the most profound effects of the prohibition was on government tax revenues Before Prohibition, many states relied heavily on taxes and liquor sales to fund their budgets. In New York alone, almost 75% of the state's revenue was derived from liquor taxes. With Prohibition, in effect, that revenue was immediately lost. At the national level, Prohibition cost the federal government a total of $11 billion in lost tax revenue. That's 100 years ago.
2: I was going to say, that is bonkers, that amount, 100 years ago. And
1: it cost them $300 million to enforce
2: that is just crazy. I, go, I don't think that's right. I don't think they went in the billions back in those days, a yeah, hundred years ago. I reckon they've updated that to what the equivalent would be now. Okay. I don't think they had billions back then. They had like a few... twopence tuppence, halfpenny, like, tuppence yeah, t- yeah, yeah.
1: Loads of money. Lo- a lot of money. It cost loads. <laughs> a lot of money, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want people coming at us with stats and facts. Yeah,
2: don't it, email us, please. It cost loads. Yeah, it cost... Can't argue with that. A lot of money that they didn't have. I should I should reference the... Article that I read that from. Yes, let's email them. Let's email, them. Oh, I'll email, let's email you the other people. <laughs> yeah, we've just done this podcast and we're using your stats yes. and we don't think they're right. There was, of course, the economic crash that happened in 1929, right in the middle of all this. To simplify an extremely complex historical event, as we like to do on Sober Awkward, At the end of the day, prohibition did not work in the long term as America, along with almost every other country on earth, still has a huge problem with alcohol. In the US alone, there are 88,000 deaths linked to alcohol each year, more than drug overdose deaths, car crash deaths or deaths from gun violence.
1: Before we get too down about it, one of the unexpected bonuses to come out of the prohibition was the creation of Alcoholics Anonymous, which began in June of 1935. Although it might be impossible to ban alcohol across a country, it is possible to help those that have a problem with it. This is a mindset that we very much still push today through our podcast.
2: Yes. So, Hayman, enough of the history lesson for one podcast. Oh, We got a lot through there, that didn't was we? Yeah, bit... The history of American prohibition. Yes. Put in... down your pens and paper, folks. <laughs> yeah. But would it work today? What more could our governments be doing? And why, again, aren't we doing an episode on the incredible long-standing benefits of a vacuum cleaner? We could. We could call it Hoover from Dyson or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's something in that. The suckers,
1: the mother suckers. Yes, the mother suckers. <laughs> we should do a whole podcast series on the vacuum cleaner called <laughs> the mother suckers. We are the mother suckers. Everyone's tuning out right yeah, now. Okay, sorry. Unsubscribe, 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 unsubscribe. yeah.
2: These are weirdos. <laughs> I'm curious
1: to know what do you think the world would look like today if alcohol was illegal or if it never existed at all?
2: Well, I think it's yeah, they're very different questions, aren't they? Mm. If it hadn't ever existed, I think it would be a beautiful utopia where everyone wakes up smiling and everything's wonderful. But would there be an alternative? Like would if alcohol
1: wasn't the thing would there be something else? Would we all be really into life? I
2: don't know whether it's sort of nature's way to push us towards something to make us feel better. That is a good question. But I'm mm. kind of saying here, like, if no drugs existed, okay. if it was like a oh utopian world where we were just happily, authentically ourselves. Yep. I Wouldn't that be lovely whether we didn't feel the need to feel more better, if you know what I mean? Mm. Is it the fact
1: that life is hard? That we, as a humanity, feel the need to like get off our heads on something, like some kind of escapism.
2: Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps life is harder than we want it to be, so we feel the need. You know, we do have to deal with death. That's one yeah. thing that's that's unavoidable, and all of those things. We are going to su- search out and hunt for something to make our emotions feel more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of inbuilt in us as human beings I know that I will survive would have never been a hit because no one would have been drunk and I would never have got a shag in the mid 90s
1: (laughs) good point point. karaoke would probably not exist
2: I think everyone being exactly karaoke wouldn't Mm. be existing at all I think that freedom of the burden of booze and everyone sipping a lovely ginger ale instead, it would be a nice environment to be in. There'd probably be less mental health issues, less violence and less global sadness. I do wonder what the music industry would be like with no alcohol. You know, what would the Stones or the Beatles or the Happy Mondays or the Pogues, what would they have produced Without alcohol, sure. well, they
1: say so during the prohibition they expected the entertainment industry to boom. They thought if we take away alcohol, people are going to be desperate yeah. to like find the excitement. Find in their other lives. ways. So they thought yeah. the theaters would go through the roof. They thought music, restaurants,
2: and all of them bombed. Isn't that interesting? Because people associate alcohol with that sort of yeah. entertainment industry. I mean, we might be dancing to Craig David in this strange utopia, Hamish. That would be awful. Yes, please. Yeah.
1: sober or drunk he's always wonderful
2: <laughs> land of the damned <laughs> although Winehouse would still be here that oh, would be she would, she would be uh... yeah. if you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love
1: by buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message
2: By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward.
1: And together we could learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway.
2: If it existed and then was banned, Mm. I'm not sure that the world would cope. It's so radical to enforce a rule on such a popular drug. But I also agree that taking anything underground to a a black market does cause other issues. Making addiction or drug use a crime creates a whole barrel full of issues. I wonder if banning something just adds to a layer of shame rather than solves it. I guess that is something we will never find out. No,
1: but on the one hand, I think there's no way they'll ever make alcohol illegal. Like It's just too big an idea. Then if you look at the actual damage of it, It is worse than most of the drugs that are illegal. So is it such a leap to think they can make it illegal?
2: Is that a crazy thought? Well, it isn't. It isn't a crazy thought and Mm. it should happen, but it's the financial side of things which we're going to get into in a minute. Mm. What about you, Hamish? What what do you think? If alcohol never existed or was made illegal, what would happen? Well,
1: I I think I'll focus more on if it was illegal. I think, because, you know, I think that point I just made, in a way it should be purely based on the fact we could treat it like any other drug. It causes these, you know, it's a carcinogen, it is, you know, makes you depressed, it is highly dangerous, it leads to violence, domestic abuse, huge amount of, you know, everything that we've covered in the podcast means really it should be treated like any other drug and it should be illegal. And I think if it was, you know, obviously in your 20s, we would still have found a way to do it like you do any drug. But I think probably by the time you reach 30 and 40, you would stop doing it like you generally, I guess, people stop doing drugs when you get older and older.
2: You don't break so many rules the older you get, I
1: guess. Yeah, yeah, you fit more away with your responsibilities. So Mm. I think perhaps it would lead, it wouldn't have changed our lives too much in our 20s. But as we got older, more people would be sober. Yeah, I think that's what the world would look like if it was legal today. If it hadn't existed at all, I do think we would have found something else. Mm. I do think the world is too hard. People would have just done anything else to to escape. Like, found that if you eat a thousand raspberries, you get a bit of a buzz. Yeah. we'd just be, all be eating raspberries. <laughs> There'll be something. There'll be some other thing. They're too some expensive. Other famous for.
2: raspberries. They're five ninety nine a punnet at the moment. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, expensive we, we, habit.
1: We would move to countries where they grew gooseberries. Or?
2: Turnips. Turnips. <laughs> that was the last episode. That was the turnip that, episode. That's
1: the dumbest thing I googled today. How many turnips do you have to eat to have a bit of a buzz?
2: <laughs> I wonder what... Wait a second. I'm going to Google that. Wait a second.
1: Oh, yes. A live show Google. A live show Google.
2: Here we go.
1: I wonder if you're the only person that's ever Googled this. The answer oh. is... Oh, a trick for getting a good price on turnips in Animal Crossing.
2: Oh, that's a computer game.
1: Okay. Turnip guide. Okay, there is no answer. Vic is the first person to ever Google that. If you know the answer, get in touch. Or if you've ever eaten a thousand turnips and felt a buzz,
2: also let us know. Vic and Hamish at com. (laughs) 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 It's unlikely the world would experience prohibition again. The protests would be too intense. But could our governments be doing more? I think they could, don't they? I do think they do, don't
1: they? That is where we are leading towards. There's evidence that setting a higher alcohol tax, imposing a minimum price on alcohol, limiting the number of alcohol outlets in a given area, and revoking repeat alcohol offenders' right to drink, amongst other regulations, would help reduce drinking and its risks. Just think about it. A beer costs a couple of dollars in a shop, a bottle of vodka maybe about 40. Anyone can get drunk for about $10. That is insane.
2: It is insane, isn't it? And I remember the cheap alcohol that I used to buy as a kid was the one we went for. It was like the White Lightning yeah. and the and the cheap beers. I can't remember what they were called now. Like the Foster's, there was a load of
1: like own brand ones. Yeah. Tesco's own brand. There was
2: a lot of really strong ones. There was one in a black can. I can't K-Sider, remember. k Cider.
1: That's the one. k Cider was the yeah, one that's you had. Black yeah.
2: Can. yeah. Um, special brew, that yeah. was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, special brew was the classic. They were really, really strong, weren't they? One mm. can would get you pissed. So sometimes they make those cheaper alcohols stronger. I guess they're doing that to get you addicted, are they? Mm-hmm. It's a sick world, Hamish. Yeah. Crucially, the evidence suggests these policies would affect not just casual or moderate drinkers, but also heavy drinkers too. Experts say this could be achieved without the risks and downsides prohibition presented
1: But lawmakers and the public have not been amenable to these kinds of policies. The last time Congress took up the alcohol tax in 2017, lawmakers cut it, with the support, of course, from the alcohol lobby. The tax on alcohol, this is insane, hasn't increased since 1991, lagging behind inflation every single year since. Why is that, though? Cash. It's
2: crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So they're not changing anything because they know it's bringing in so much money. Yeah. It's annoying. Can we take a second here to look at the smoking industry? Because we probably would have said this, Hamish, wouldn't we, 25 years ago Mm. to say that smoking would be banned or, or that we wouldn't be able to smoke inside or all of these other things. We could never have imagined it. But that is in force now. We want to look at it because they have made some changes during our lifetime which have had incredible results. Changes which the alcohol industry should take heed of. Were you a smoker, Vic? I was a heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a 20 a dayer, but when I went out for an evening, I definitely smoked 20. And on and off, I think I probably generally smoked 10 cigarettes a day for maybe 15 years. Okay. And
1: did it start when you started drinking?
2: Yes, I started. Yeah, sort of hand in hand. It was the same rebellious time, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. I was just out there to do anything I could that was rebellious. Mm-hmm. And smoking was one of those things. I did it as often as I could. I introduced it to other people and... And it made me feel like I was kind of cool. That was why I did it.
1: And you lived in France where cigarettes are pretty cheap and everyone smoked. And then Thailand yeah. when cigarettes are crazy cheap.
2: Actually, I'd given up smoking before I moved to France. You but did. I started again when I was there because okay. everybody on the markets, I worked on the markets there. Everybody smoked and drank. So I started smoking again. Why did you give up the first time? Just because I just didn't. I never liked it. It always mm. made me feel sick, especially if I was drinking. I, I wonder whether my vomiting when I was a drinker was more to do with the smoking yeah. than the drinking always made me go green and then the hangovers mm. remember i used to try and get well so that i could have a cigarette that was kind of my mm. my marker of the day that i was well enough to smoke it's horrible isn't it yeah. and now i look back and even i've become one of those people that smell cigarettes now i'm just like oh i can't believe i used to do that i'm so glad i don't smoke anymore but
1: we live in a world today it feels maybe it's just where we live on the sunshine coast or our circle of friends well, you don't smell cigarettes that often. Not often. I know very few people that still smoke.
2: It was funny when we went to Thailand, it was one thing the kids noticed. Everybody smokes. Yeah. Everybody on holiday, there's loads of, loads of travellers there, loads of tourists and everybody was smoking and they've legalised weed there as well. So everyone was smoking mm-hmm. weed. So I found myself explaining to the children what these people were doing and why, because they were just so not used to it living where <laughs> we're from. It's kind of a more active lifestyle here, isn't yeah. it? This little bubble that we live in and everyone's kind of like jogging along the sea front each morning Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people sitting around cafes like they do in france having a gourwars for example yeah yeah. Yeah, so it's a very different culture but i think it has changed so much in our lifetimes that you know we were all smokers but now kids i'm not sure they want to do the same thing but of course now it's changing to vaping which is the new trendy thing which all the kids are doing here
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we'll get into that in a second I was never really a smoker. I smoked a little bit when I was like 15, 16 at school, a rebellious thing. My parents then made quite a good deal. They said, We'll pay you this amount of money on your 22nd birthday if you don't smoke. Perfect. And they that to me when I was maybe 15. 50p? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 50p. So, and I, you know, I like worked in a cigarette and cigar yes. shop my gap year. So I was around it quite a lot. Neither my parents smoked, my brother did. And that bet was enough to stop me doing it. And that's although good. I had an occasional cigarette or occasional cigar when I was working there, so actually when it got to my 22nd birthday, I said, I don't, I don't want you to pay me. Like I've, I've had one, one or two in the last 10 years or five years. Yeah. Um, but it was enough of an incentive for me to basically not do it.
2: I think that's good. I'll do that for my kids. So you get it's a thousand not, bucks or something. Yeah. Put, put, put a dollar away a week. Thousand bucks by the time good, they're twenty-two, yeah. And when you're
1: that, the, and the younger you tell them, the more it sounds like a billion dollars.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, well, that is actually a good idea. So bribe
1: yeah, them. It was quite good. Yeah, bribes are not always bad, are they? So that was quite smart of them. Uh, also, for me at school, because we had lots of international kids at school who would be coming from the Philippines, for example, and they would bring. Like tens of thousands of cigarettes yeah. from duty-free in the Philippines and yeah. then sell them for like three four quid to yeah. us lot oh great so it was like the cheapest time in our life to get cigarettes was at school when people yeah. were starting <laughs> a smoking habit it's funny um, which is I think probably not uncommon for a lot of people but I can remember so when I started smoking a pack of fags in a shop was probably five pounds so that was 15 16 for, for 20 ago. for 20 for a yeah. 20 pack Today, with the increase in tax, I think they cost triple that. I think a pack of fags in England is probably fifteen pounds. Yeah, could I know it be... it's
2: forty dollars
1: here, here 40, it's forty or fifty dollars. Yeah. yeah, which is what, about twenty five pounds. So it could be twenty quid in England. Oh, that's crazy! I'm not even check the prices on time. I
2: used to buy a packet of ten B and H for eighty one p. Yeah, ten B and H a box of matches. Okay, how how long ago was that? That was in about nineteen eighty eight. Okay, cool. So that is thirty five years ago. So it's gone from eighty p to probably
1: twenty quid. And that will be God. the taxes that have gone up, for sure.
2: That's bonkers.
1: Whereas the pint, the cost of a pint... I would say I probably started drinking 15 years ago. Cost of a pint in a pub, I reckon, was five quid. And a cost of a pint today, I think, is probably six quid.
2: Yeah, so it hasn't changed. Yeah. Because they're still pushing it out, pushing it out, trying to keep it the same price so everybody happily keeps drinking and keeps in this little boozy bubble mm-hmm. and no one questions it. Yeah. So in the UK... In our lifetimes, a simple change was made to make smoking inside illegal. As a result, you had to freeze your nipples off standing in the rain, warming yourself on a lighter as the party carried on inside. I always remember now, people, when they go out, you always feel like they're sort of excommunicating mm. themselves, don't you? You feel like they're excluded from the party and you look at people when they're smoking now and go, oh, why are you doing that? You're like, we're all in here having a lovely time and you're outside smoking in the rain. Yeah. Why are you doing it that? It wasn't
1: like that at first. No. I would be the one inside alone watching the coats As everyone went outside for fags. Yeah. Yeah. I was the one left out and now it's the other way around, I think.
2: I remember it was quite beneficial at work when I used to work for SCA Travel in Oxford. I used to go out for cigarette breaks like every 15 minutes. Mm. And the people that didn't smoke didn't get breaks.
1: I always thought that was so unfair. It
2: was so unfair, wasn't it? It's very strange that they allowed that for so long. Mm. In the end, standing outside alone in the rain became too much.
1: Like alcohol, smoking is a major cause of death and disease. And yet these subtle changes have meant youth smoking dropped to an all-time low of 2.3% in 2021, down from nearly 23% in the year 2000.
2: I think it's interesting, Hamish, we're talking about smoking here, because I do like comparing the two. Mm. So smoking is is banned in a lot of places now. Even in New Zealand, it's 100% banned in public. Right. But yet smoking doesn't make you do stupid things. Mm Mm-hmm. you don't have a mental reaction you might have your heart rate goes up which means you want to feed the addiction and you feel like you're more relaxed because you're feeding the monkey the banana if you know what I
1: mean so it's
2: just the carcinogen that's pumping into your body, it's really pointless because you're not really getting a high from it, you're not feeling whacked out or Mm -hmm. you want to dance more or you want to sleep more, there's no huge reaction to it Mm -hmm. but that's the one we ban smoking doesn't cause domestic violence, it doesn't cause car crashes, it doesn't cause all of the terrible things that alcohol causes yet that's the one that's banned yes strange isn't it it like that it's very odd and all of these laws were made with a debatedly more unhealthy vice in vaping to which many smokers have turned to alcohol already has a fully established multi-billion dollar non-alcoholic market that people could turn to immediately to help them kick the habit
1: so why doesn't the alcohol industry follow in the footsteps of the tobacco one Sadly, the answer is probably money. Remember what we said about the loss of tax revenue during the 1920s? Well, in 2021, revenue from alcohol tax in the US amounted to 10.27 billion US dollars.
2: Yeah and that's not even to we talked about on our accident emergency episode we talked about you know the impact that that has on the health industry as well mm. we're not even considering those numbers here comparing alcohol and smoking i bet they're similar aren't mm-hmm. they yeah for some reason the fact that alcohol costs the us approximately six times this figure in tangible and intangible costs which i just mentioned it's forgotten when it comes to reassessing our laws Too many of the world's governments are propped up by the money they make on alcohol. The whole system is corrupt and sadly very broken.
1: So, what can we do, Vic? It's very easy to feel hopeless in situations like the world's against
2: us. It does feel like that with alcohol sometimes. Mm. I do feel hopeless. And sometimes I know we do this podcast and we're trying to talk about it and trying to get this message out there, but we're up against the big guns with this. Mm. There's no way that our message is going to get through to those ears that would do something about it. It does feel quite helpless sometimes, which is annoying. So I guess the only thing you can do is just to keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. Share your experiences with alcohol, seek some help, gain support to help you understand your own personal relationship because if you don't, those big guns that we were just talking about aren't going to do anything, are they? It's quite scary. The problem is with alcohol, I guess, that sometimes no one can see your inner struggle. No one could see my anxiety or my sadness with it because it wasn't so extreme. It was a bit of a private battle. And that meant that no one could help me. I had to help myself. And sometimes it takes balls and a few tough conversations to try and talk about this topics. But like I did and not the government, I had to do it myself, little old me. So like me, if alcohol is costing you too much in your life, be it financially, health-wise, or quality time spent with your family or friends, it might be time to give it up. And giving it up means also that you're not giving money to the government with taxes. That's a good reason in itself, actually. True. And it's
1: actually quite empowering to go, you know what, I'm I'm not going to get help from the government. I don't sit back and expect to hand out and help with giving up. Yeah. Like this is your own thing. You need to take ownership and really give it a good crack yourself and and beat a system. Yeah, beat the
2: system. that's, That's us. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. It gives you just another reason to quit. I think even the fact
1: that you're listening to this podcast means you're probably on the right track.
2: Yeah, definitely. I guess today's been a bit of a history lesson. And for many of us, looking back at the history of our own lives can be enough to get sober. Think of the times you have drunk too much, felt awful, hurt yourself or others. Have you learned from these lessons? Have you grown because of them? Is it perhaps time to give sobriety a try to see if things work out like they gave prohibition a try? Give yourself your own prohibition. I think that's what we're trying to say, isn't it? Like it it doesn't work when it's run by governments and by bigger beings. It's actually time to kind of enforce your own prohibition like on yourself
1: i like the idea of telling people that i'm undergoing a personal prohibition <laughs> yeah, rather than it. telling people that i'm sober
2: oh that is brilliant hamish There's let's a start prohibition doing it in my life yeah i have enforced prohibition yes. my, what is it what do they say itty bitty shitty committee in my head <laughs> has caused me to put a prohibition on yeah. myself <laughs> yeah
1: that is the beauty of history vic it gives us the opportunity to learn from the mistakes of the past Sure, prohibition or change the alcohol taxes and laws probably won't happen anytime soon until you or I are in charge, which is pretty frightening. <laughs> but you can take ownership and responsibility for your own lives and your own decisions.
2: Yep, that is so true. And even if that takes a little bit of therapy and a little bit of learning and looking outside of your comfort zone, it's definitely worth giving it a go. Don't yep. rely on anyone else. Just Absolutely. rely on you. Absolutely.
1: Got a couple of quotes to end.
2: Okay, W.C. Fields. Once during Prohibition, I was forced to live on nothing but food and water. That did make me giggle. I like
1: the idea of him writing that really upset. (laughs) Yeah, really angry.
2: This is all I've got, food and water.
1: (laughs) I've got a cheesy one from Alana Hunt. She says, it's only when you take responsibility for your life that you discover how powerful you truly are.
2: Yeah, more powerful than the government, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: And then basically what I've got here in what we've established over the course of this episode is if you want to do your own research about prohibition, there is a bit of eye candy out there. Oh, so excellent. You, you mentioned Peaky Blinders. Yes,
2: yes. Love Lots it. of
1: attractive people to look at. Gorgeous so people in to that. You learn about prohibition and look at attractive people. Yeah. It's also a film which has got Tom Hardy in. And-
2: Oh, anything with Tom Hardy. Yeah. Actually, he's in um, Piggy Blinders as well, Tom Hardy. That's true. Adul- yeah. You can have a Tom Hardy feast. Oh, God, that is my favourite type of feast, <laughs> I can tell you that.
1: So, that film's called Lawless. Yes. Yeah, so you go check out Lawless.
2: Or just check out any Tom Hardy film, I guess.
1: Get out of here, turn yeah. this podcast off, and go watch some Tom Hardy films.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a bloody good I idea, like, Hamish. Um,
1: Bronson is my favourite. Oh, I haven't seen hip. Bronson. Yeah, he's not attractive in it but belter of the film
2: he's great he did the craze one as well i love that one he plays both the craze brothers oh yeah oh yeah Yeah! Yeah! yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah. great isn't he he is
1: great oh
2: tom hardy podcast episode on tom if hardy. you haven't yeah let's <laughs> just talk about tom hardy shall we for hours i think tom hardy perhaps is sober i think he might be too i think he is yeah we'll get him on give yeah, him a call get him on oh yeah i'll give him a call yeah Ooh, hardy <laughs> what are you up to today you're coming round my kid's bedroom with vo- dog vomit on the carpet <laughs> yeah. for, a, for a very lame podcast. I'm in. I'm sure it would be in, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. Oh, you have to be topless. Did we mention
2: that? Oh, yes. It's yeah. a naked podcast. It's a naked podcast, yeah. Tom. <laughs> oh, Tom Hardy. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support.
1: Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one.
2: Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community.
1: Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support.
2: Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it I don't know, just write it on. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card.
1: This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
2: So as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores.
1: We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah.
2: Are there are there bad bookstores? I don't know. Probably ones with moody moody what? sellers. Oh yeah, really yeah.
1: depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Good, yes. Good,
2: good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only
1: made it into the goodies. <laughs>